Greetings, 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 people of Earth. This is another episode of Unavoidable Shit. Today's Unavoidable Shit is Religious Trauma slash Spiritual Trauma Part 2. I, Yolanda is, you know, venturing all across Europe right now. So I asked a friend of mine who is a beautiful being surviving the earth experience alongside of us, other uh, earth beings that are waking up to something different. Um, and I am just happy as I'll get up for my friend, Sarah Gabriel, um, who is a massage therapist. She is a goddess she is <laughs> she is everything that is creative and divine walking around here on earth sarah gabriel say hello hello that's a big <laughs> intro golly <laughs> <laughs> well we got to represent because we want the people to know where the the little sources of light is at you know um, uh, so that way they can find you <laughs> Well, this episode of Religious Trauma has been a work of serious technological difficulties. (laughs) Um, We have attempted many times to record this, and I thought this time, let's just change it up. Maybe the universe was saying, this is where you shift into um, someone else being your little sidekick and telling truth. (laughs) So Sarah is joining us. Um, We are going to talk about some a different side of the aspect of trauma via religion or spirituality. Um, I think last time me and Elanda talked mostly about um, sort of Christian-based, religious-based trauma. Um, But I, my dear friend here, Sarah, (laughs) has been um, an inspiration of survival of the spiritual community. And she just recently told me her story, uh, pieces of her story. And I was just like, this is who needs to be a part of this. Because like Elanda, she's had these sort of experiences with not only men in in power and in leadership in the spiritual community, but um, with, you know, all all kinds of aspects of, you know, spiritual um, gaslighting. <laughs> and or spiritual <laughs> uh, manipulation or spiritual bypassing, um, whatever you want to like call that idea that we're not just here to love you as you are or who you are and all that that comes with. Um, so I'm glad that I have this voice who has been through the experience and is here to be able to like sort of um, express the experience without um, this idea of herself being the self-involved being in the story and just being like, this is my experience. And, and this is what, um, I, I believe to be true about my experience. Um, I think a lot of times, and as you know, me and Yolanda, we like to try to sort of remove our own personal experience and sort of give it to the world in this, like, this is, this is a experience that is a microcosm happening in this whole reality that we all live in Um, and making it more clear and understandable and a little bit more digestible by just having just a simple conversation. Um, So 
I'm going to allow Sarah to sort of introduce herself and talk, because um, I know I'm just, you know, I'm Chatty Cathy. Um, but I want you to be able to have a space of one, letting people know um, who you are and where you come from and what you represent. Um, so, yeah. Sure. Thank you, Jarvis. Well, I guess the, I guess it is pertinent to my story to begin with the base programming for my human experience, and and that is um, very early sexual assault, um, pre-verbal incestuous step grandfather. Um, young age stuff, right? And mm -hmm. that, um, and then a, a, a history going forward of um, navigating the unsolicited desire of men. And I know that this is a common experience uh, that many humans, it's not even a gender, you know, situation yeah. that, um, that there are those of us that in, in endured in um, experience, very early abuse, mine in particular, sexual and emotional, other people maybe, you know, physical, but, but early childhood abuse, and that how that builds pathways and blinders in the brain that then lead us toward dangerous patterns. Uh, mm. And, and so I, from something that has become, you know, clear in the importance of my experience is, is admitting to myself that I'm working from within a brain and body that did not have some basic levels of safety, protection, <laughs> nurturing, boundaries. Because given. they were taken from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you were like yeah. never even available to have the, the experience of protecting yourself because at such a young age, violation, right? Yeah, I was sexualized very early and uh, that made me a, a sexual being. I don't know if that's what happens to everyone who experiences sexual assault at an early age. I, I'm, I'm, I imagine there's an entire spectrum of response. But for me personally, it, it, it formed an attachment in my brain because this was some of the first physical male contact that I got, not knowing who my biological father is and um this man was in response was responsible for watching me at some point. So some of the first physical male touch that I got was violation and um, uh, abuse, right? But when you're a baby, you don't have you don't have concepts of that. You don't have ideas of how the world is to be, uh, you, you know. And so, as I can look back on the uh, challenges of my life experiences, I, I at this point must give myself some grace and compassion by 
being aware of the fact that I was set up with a detriment. That's just, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> let's just start there. <laughs> I guess I guess that's like a good place to start. And, and like so many others, like even with Elonda's story, and I think like a part of Elonda's story is similar to your story because she went into this sort of experience with the belief that these the this community was here to protect her and here to um, do the best for her and create her to be the best human walking on earth she could be. And the whole time there was, you know, manipulation, there was, um, um, there was um, deceit. Um, so you sort of, yes, you're, you're right. It starts there because even with Elonda telling her story and even with me telling my story with the religious trauma is it started so young. Even now when I have these sort of rushes of the memories of which that I understand are the reasons why I'm operating the way I operate, it is because of childhood traumatic experiences via religion saying that who I was was not correct. Um, So yes, we start at childhood. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so you add these two things together, uh, early abuse and the lack of uh, parental figures, the lack of a father figure. And my mother died when I was very young, raised by my grandparents, which as I have denoted was an abusive relationship um, in its in intricacies beyond, you know, uh, what I'm even sharing here. And so um, later in life, when I was seeking, I've, I mean, I've been studying spirituality and tarot and astrology from a very young age. I was a very weird kid, but again, <laughs> as I've already mentioned, I was set up to be so, right? But um, along the journey, uh, because I was coming from a place that felt that, that began to be clear was not healthy, you know, you, you get through certain levels of your life where you don't realize that other people live differently. And yeah. then you get to you get to a certain age and you go to other people's houses and you meet other people's dad figures and you see how they eat or how they're how interacting or how they love each other and they're like, yeah. oh <laughs> I don't oh, have that. Yeah. It home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so eventually, you know, I began to realize uh, that there was uh, unhealthy, abusive, dysfunctional dynamics uh, at play uh, from a very young age throughout all of my adolescence and uh, came to really, you know, I, I, I was found like I, I, I was looking like in the first instance anyway of, of spiritual abuse that I experienced. When I got involved in that community, I had seen information about it, but I never went. And then one of the leaders of the community ended up at a funeral for my family member officiating the service. service. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they heard me sing, then invited me into their group, you know. Um, and I was just then also at the effect of an adult assault, you know, um, so I was vulnerable, right? And the the dangerous piece that is 
through religious trauma, through spiritual trauma, is that there are vulnerable people who don't necessarily have the power or language to assert themselves in a protective manner. And they can be seen, they can be targeted somehow. There's some, you know, unconscious visibility that says, hey, you can fuck with me, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. And they know uh, how to sort of um, test it to see the the response. And we fail the test every time because we want to believe that everybody is here for the greater good, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunately or fortunately. Uh, <laughs> fortunate, very, fortunately. I'm fortunately, fortunately, I remain quite naive and gullible (laughs) and and sort of uh, there's beauty in naiveness though well you know they say when you lose a parent or have massive trauma as a childhood that part of you stays like a child in your Mm. brain and so even though I'm uh, an adult woman a mother there is still part of me that that sometimes is like like a little girl when it comes to expecting people to be good Uh, and part of that also is because like the people who were bad to me and my family like no one wants to admit that grandpa or uncle or you know whoever is is a bad person right or someone that hurts people and so I have this ability in me to love people who hurt me to to see beyond well, you've been conditioned to yes i have in fact been conditioned you to. have been completely conditioned oh, yes. from the time you were a child to an adult to do exactly that so it's kind of like what i was thinking with my niece it's like well of course she would find multiple situations at which she got herself into the same predicament it's like a lucy and ethel uh, <laughs> <laughs> like what have you got yourself into now but like but not though like she's been conditioned to do that it's almost like the fight or flight people like they're constantly going to create that um and the universe is going to give them that because the universe wants to see like at what point do you shift right i guess you know yeah. I, I i mean i don't know i i i just the one thing that I can follow through it all is that as we begin to see what is unconscious, as I begin to see like, Oh, because this happened to me, I'm not good at saying no, I'm not, I'm not good at, at protecting myself. And I even have been conditioned to, um, to please. Right. Uh, so please and defend to please and defend which is like such a white woman problem okay now I come to you as a white race woman I I do uh I admit it forgive me um I'm also as you know mixed part um Mexican and Native American, but I was raised uh, white and by a woman who was white and, um, and, and Native American, Cherokee. And, you know, she just to take a little tangent here, like, um, 
she hated the part of herself that was native. Like she had been trained by all of, you know, the white people don't talk about your mother. Don't talk about your, Oh, that dark hair that you have, you know? Mm. Um, but, and, and so, and she had that W, you know, on her, on her license as, as I do, you know? Um, and when I showed up and didn't have, you know, it was this little dark baby, that had no father and um and my mom's like oh he was italian <laughs> my grandma's like yes he's italian <laughs> you know like god because that's think, better than being Mexican. native <laughs> yeah you know or even native which she was herself so it's like um yeah how we're how we're conditioned to to hate ourselves to to allow ourselves to be hurt and then to protect the people who hurt us because even then we still have privileges that give us more freedom than people of color. Right. Um, So just a little bit, a little bit of tangent there that, that yes, that something for white people to look at is how we defend our own oppression, how we, how we defend the our oppressors, you know, who are you know often our our family, our partners, our parents. Yeah. Oh, speak it loud. Oh. I've been saying that lately. It's like we have to look at the people who oppress us first, and that oftentimes is in your home. Like, if you do not evaluate where you were first oppressed, you will not you. Or if you evaluate, I'm going to change that. If you evaluate where you were first oppressed, you may realize why some of your relationships are the way they are now. Like I just looked at my family dynamic and then I looked at my friendship dynamic and I was like, I oftentimes create friends that assimilate the same things that my family does. This like sort of, they are supportive to an extent. <laughs> and the and then one oftentimes when I go to them with things, there's this some sort of judgment. And that's why I stick to my few friends like you and Elanda, um, that allow me to express myself without there being any, you know, form of judgment from their own experience being pushed onto my experience. So yeah, the the the, the home is where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and it spans cultures, you know, yeah. that um, generations, cultures, and, and, and there's often a tendency to hide. We don't talk about that. You don't talk about your uncle that way. You don't talk about your grandfather that way, you know, like, I, I mean, and I guess, I guess that's a form of like, beginning of gaslighting when they're telling you the thing that you're experiencing that's not happening you know or Uh, it went away so don't worry about it anymore mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like but it's but it still happened yeah and when you have trauma in your body like how do you tell like your body with no skills as a child like oh you're safe now you know like I didn't learn how to tell my inner child I was safe till I was in my 30s, you know? Yeah. So, till last uh, week. <laughs> right? <Girl. Yeah. laughs> like, legit. Last week. Spiral path, right? We get with layers and layers. We come back again and again to, to deeper levels of acceptance, deeper levels of awareness, right? Um, yeah, but it does. It, I think that's a very valid point. Look at where 
your primary wound was and if your primary wound was oppression where did that happen and and that it's that work has to be done to to break patterns to to prevent the the, the perpetuation of pain yeah and so having done that you know like so i'm a survivor of sexual assault from a child age and as, as an adult, I experienced um, going full circle from having a forensic kit done at the, the hospital, Methodist Specialty, downtown San Antonio, to years later, um, working at the Rape Crisis Center and actually going back to where I had that um, kit done, that, that evidence collected, and working with the sexual assault nurse examiner to train advocates to go and be present for people in the hospital who are experiencing what I had experienced before. And, uh, and doing trauma-informed work with survivors of sexual assault and, um, and helping people to be advocates, right? And so I have done in you know my humble estimation <laughs> as, as much soul searching and conscious trauma work uh, for myself. And, and then I have even um, put myself in a space of doing that work for other people. And so I'm grateful for my, my experience at the Rape Crisis Center. And I'm actually grateful for my life experience because it gives me a unique perspective but but uh, it, it's a common reality, and, and there are only so many of us that uh, can speak about it. You know, yeah. it's, it's a brutal wound. It's a brutal yeah. wound, and and uh, and like uh, in in my case, it's so so early on that I had to spiral through multiple multiple assaults and addiction and 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 patterns of self-perpetuated destruction uh, to to come around and and even get to a point where uh, I could do the work and and begin to see why I behaved the way I did and to make different choices and even while doing the work I was still in uh, situations uh, groups where I allowed myself to be taken advantage of, where I gave my power away um, to the man in power um, for his gain. Um, and, and so again, that we get clearer and clearer on it and we do our own healing, internal work uh, and the universe creator, life, the simulation, whatever, <laughs> continues yeah. to give us these lessons. Oh, you think you've got it, right? Okay, yeah. how about this? <laughs> if this L- happens- have you got this version? <laughs> yeah, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, so I've, I have put myself in, in multiple unsafe situations throughout my life and, in places where they should have been safe, right? Where, yeah, where they, where we, where they, 
we assume yeah. that they should have been safe. Yeah. They should have been safe, right? Like hospital situations, uh, spiritual situations, and still end up being uh, abused. Like, such a bummer, you know? And then, like, even when it happens, it's like, fuck, how did this happen again? How, how did this happen again? Um, but some points to come at it from a positive and, and creative perspective. Uh, one point that I feel salient to, to share about all of this is that sexual attraction does not denote, like it does not have to be acted upon, you know, like sexual yeah. attraction is, is actually an indicator for a connection, uh, for a, for a creative potential right um, the sexual energy the life force energy that which creates life is is also the energy of of healing is is the energy of um love and yeah. that that it can be moved from the sexual center it can be moved through through the chakras it moved through the body in in ways that are beyond our common primal sexual urges which are totally natural wherever yeah. you are at the spectrum of that but the piece that it's important to talk about that i never got because you know from the beginning i had Con because of conditioning <laughs> yeah incorrect data about sexual connection uh, that that just because you're attracted to someone doesn't mean that you need to follow through on that and also doesn't mean that you need to manipulate a person to fulfill that mm. desire you know mm. that, that now, wait when you say can you unpack the idea of manipulate a person because of your desires I only say that because I think that that comes and varieties and because of who you are and because of who I am, I understand that both of us have this mm, little snake charmer that's inside of us that understands that one from the point of view of us using it as our way to get what we want. And then um, how people have used it to sort of manipulate us into situations at which we did not want to be in because I definitely know that it has happened for me especially within the spiritual aspect because who doesn't love a gorgeous spiritual man um and the confusion happens um but the manipulation of that um <laughs> well there are a couple different levels that you can work to unpack that like personally okay like through some of the, the experience that I've had even recently, I've had to look at how when I was less conscious, younger, over a decade ago, fresh out of adult assault, um, I was less conscious about my, the presence of my sexual energy, the, my, mm -hmm. the, the, the frankness of my sexual energy. You and I are the sexual ferociousness. Energy. <laughs> perhaps it's, 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 it's a loud roar it's yeah a, yes yes it shakes the and room a little i suppose 
You but, know. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, right. To, to be accountable. Yeah, that uh, especially when I was was younger, that uh, I could weaponize my sexuality to to manipulate situations, right? And whether that's as easy as getting someone to buy me drinks or getting uh paying the rent. <laughs> uh-huh. You know. Well in my so, case paying the rent. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly my case paying the rent. Uh, yeah, yeah. It definitely is definitely something to be aware of, especially because um, people often think because we have moved into the like spiritual pathway that like us as sexual beings have somewhat went dormant and that it should be dormant on some level. But in reality, when you are on the path of spirituality, you are more in tune to the sexuality and it does become more stronger and more potent than I think it's ever been for me. I mean, that's, you know, everyone has their own experience. There's all, yeah. all kinds of spectrums of sexual expression. Not everyone is beasts like we are, Jarvis, okay? <laughs> that is true. That is true. That is true, yeah. But for, for people like us, yeah. But for those of us on the planet who have strong sexual urges and or very early childhood sexual programming or interaction, mm-hmm. that... Um, for the beginning of the like hormonal birth, uh, otherwise called like adolescent through late twenties, right? That um, you know, that's not a time when you're like, oh, I should check my sexuality. You know, like, yeah. the the animal itself, your body is like reproduce, reproduce, and then you've got a whole bunch of other you know uh, people around you that have that that same urge and maybe you're on a variety of substances at the same time you know um, <laughs> I don't know because you're hurt right yeah so you're because you're wounded to, you're trying to not feel the pain and so you're fucking and drinking and drugging or whatever that um, void um, until in my case anyway you hurt yourself bad enough to reconsider your method you know yeah. same thing uh, here right so but in this last experience, it was it was revelatory to see this younger man uh, and his unchecked sexuality and how that affects everyone around, and to be like, "Oh God, I am him." Right? <laughs> you know? like, I once did things like this. I once too had an unbridled sexuality that affected anyone in the room or whatever, you know. If I decided to look a certain way or, you know, yeah. present with a certain energy, like, yeah, you can, you can manipulate a field, right. And get desired outcomes for better or worse. So there's that level. There's like, for me, that's more the youthful hormonal wounded. How do you knock down, drag out through your first 20, figure out what, what won't kill you, you know, be one of the lucky ones that make it through. Yeah. God knows we know those of our friends who weren't, you know. Um, and then, and this is perhaps the more insidious and, and the, the more dangerous <laughs> is, is you get to a point and nowadays they're getting there younger and younger, um, where, you know, enough words, you've taken enough weekend seminars with white people. <laughs> <laughs> 
I say as a white person. I'm a certified blah 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 spiritual aura reader, face right. facial aura re- reader. You know, I did a two-day workshop at the local metaphysical bookstore. <laughs> now <it's good. laughs> I'm a master now. Yeah. <laughs> but um and that there are people doing real work, you know. Um somewhere out there dismantle patriarchy and 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 there and that we're god blesses we're all doing the best that we can you know and um and but but that there are people that will take that rhetoric that will take that you know spiritual language woke language particularly when you start getting out into alternative ways of doing intimacy, ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, open relationships, whatever you want to call it, dabbling in Tantra, you know, uh, uh, and these people use (laughs) dream words and they sound like they know what they're talking about and they sound like they're safe and, and they sound like, um, they're playing the trickster. Uh, they sound like interacting with them is a good idea. Yeah, it's a trick, you know, and it, it's the vessel for the creation to help me learn, right? And, um, and, and sometimes I, I don't fall for it, you know, and sometimes I still do. But, but it's just, uh, so that's the other manipulative piece when you have people that, that know the language that, that can present as I've had some level of experience in my spiritual calling and I've done these medicine journeys and I've been to this country or this island and, mm-hmm. um, and I've done this amount of shadow work, you know, and, and it's, I, great, it's like the humanitarian you know? card. They're like, and then, and then I pulled the humanitarian card on you and you suck my dick. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> well, speaking for myself. <laughs> I don't know. Been, there have definitely been moments where I've fallen for it where I'm like oh my god like uh not gonna name names but there was a certain person that I experienced that played all the things like when we first met like they had tarot cards and we spent the night talking and blah 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 and like all of these things sounded like the luxurious spiritual six foot seven beautiful big dick man that I thought that I had manifested and then turns out nothing well, he, I mean, he was that no he was, he was that, that exactly yeah, he was, and yeah. and he gave you the lesson that you needed to to yeah. receive yeah. but it's never the lesson that we want <laughs> yeah right although, although I said the lesson was real good <laughs> yeah <laughs> I said the lessons was good. And then that's what makes it even like harder for somebody like me. Like I was very, like you sexualized at a very young age. Um, and because of that, thought that that was the way that this divine connection was supposed to work. Like we had great uh, mag- magical sex. So yes, let me keep going along with his manipulation. Yeah, yeah. And the question becomes, or the piece of discernment uh, is, uh, how consciously 
do we manipulate one another, you know? And I, I want to believe that it's unconscious, you know? <laughs> I want to believe that these men don't know that they're hurting me. <laughs> it's an accident, yeah. um, you know? Or that I'm not just being fucked with, you know? But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I want um, uh, people to communicate, you know, and use these terms out of a, a real desire for connection in, in, in love, you know, uh, to do better loving one another, to have these challenging conversations. But again, that sometimes that, that there is a, a breed of person. It doesn't even have to have a, you know, it's not gender specific. But yeah. uh, there's, I think it's Dr. Byterby that said, uh, brought this, this concept about the false light and the people that wear the light, you know, wear the, the malas and the crystals and mm -hmm. they know the, the chants and they've, um, they've got the, you know, the whole like vibe and meditate and, um, Good vibes and only. huh? Good vibes only. Good vibes only. No, we gotta have all the vibes. Um, yeah, but there's that that like uh, category of of people that have I, I sense like a a superficial um, awareness of 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 what they're coming into and use to manipulate it. Use it to man manipulate people into being with them whether sexually or energetically or doing emotional labor yeah you know? I definitely for me it was the same thing with the spiritual community that I was trying to be a part of here um it was like again like and I hadn't under like I hadn't really understood it because um I don't know if I had experienced the like spiritual vampirism or you know energy use that was happening until I got here and was trying to be a part of this um, spiritual community and desiring to be a part of it and then when it seemed like it was going to happen how much I was convinced that the person that was getting me involved with it had the best intentions but in reality they were just using me as another voice of support in their 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 grand scheme they're like they're well I want to be able to get this so if I can get as many people who like me to be involved then they will see like the vote is going to be unanimously for whatever I want um, yeah but again it comes down to discernment in who we give our energy to you know yeah. um I'm yeah, not I know <laughs> yeah you know that 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 is the piece that I'm really focusing on right now. That's, I don't want to be in a blame place, you know, yeah. um, because I know that I'm co-creating my reality and that whatever yeah. lessons manifest that I'm, I'm here for, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, there is this pattern. It's the pattern that gets me. It's the mm -hmm. pattern of spiritual men that I have dealt with that underneath it all just want to fuck me, you know, like, and, and they cannot articulate that, right? 
like, and there's, there's the conversation. Like if at the very beginning you can say like, Hey, um, I, I have these, these desires, you know, and, um, I, I have to deal with them, you know, but it's like, if you, if orchestrate you know a whole reality around it, well, but I mean, if you know that that is true about yourself, like you need to check that shit before you're bringing someone into a spiritual community, you know, like I had that experience with the cult in, in the beginning, you know, when I was in my early twenties and this man was in his mid fifties where he did say to me, like in his home, like in my face, like, I'm a sex addict and I have trouble with boundaries and I need Uh you to help me with that. Right. But at that point, like, well, one, if you're a sex addict, you should not be running a spiritual community. (laughs) Yeah. Around a bunch of vulnerable. Step one. If you know that you're a sex addict, you cannot have access to vulnerable people like baseline. Right. But when you found your own community and you run it with your wife and your friends are yeah. on the board, you know? And- <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, if you have to have, like, if you know that that is true about you, you shouldn't be in control of a community, but like on in situations um, like where there isn't a power dynamic at play, like that, just that piece of that, that piece of honesty is like, I feel attraction for you. And I don't know how to navigate that. Like, just that phrase, like, yeah. just even being able to, to say that, but uh, we're so most of us, like, not conditioned to speak about yeah, like, isn't that an uncomfortable realm. conversation to have to be like, I want to express that I like you without feeling because we make up in our head afterwards some form of rejection right exactly so it's a rejection ins- instead of that we're going to orchestrate an uh, alternate reality within the simulation i'm not to- going to tell you what how i really feel <laughs> yeah. but i'm going to see if i can get you to like do these things that i want you to do yeah. and you will think that you did it yourself <laughs> somehow <laughs> I don't know. Illusions. <laughs> I don't know. I um, am not like this is not my gift. Like I'm not a mastermind in this in this yeah. way, you know. But yeah, there are people that that use the un unwitting, innocent, um, wounded, like desire to serve and seek God and to um to do better you know on a soul level for their own for their own gain and enjoyment and the the only thing that i can that i can do personally is to uh, be more conscious about my own boundaries you know uh and and be more conscious of that I am worthy of protection, although no one in my family could ever do that. So it's like, you have to get to adulthood, hell, middle age, you know, and realize, oh, uh, no one's coming to protect me. No one, you know, no one is coming. Like I, I have to do it. Like I am the one 
that knows that I'm hurt. Uh, and I am the one that, that has to take care of myself. So that is the piece now. And then there is the prevention piece. Like when I worked at the rape crisis center, I was like, okay, we're dealing with um, uh, the, the counseling aspects of, of people who have already been hurt and traumatized. But then one of the best things that I loved about that organization is their education program, which was this mm-hmm. idea of, of prevention. So how do we, how do we prevent this from happening, right? Um, and I think, you know, as a mother of a, of a son, it, for me, my big pieces for the world is like communicating honestly with my son about consent, yeah. about about his physical boundaries, about that he's allowed to say no to touch that he doesn't want. And that if someone says no to him, he is not to touch someone, you know, and just these, these basic ideas of, of autonomy of physical autonomy that I never got, you know? Uh, So, so I think that, you know, you do what you can where, where you can touch where where your realm is but there is a piece with the with the youth with our children with our our siblings and nieces and nephews our family our friends of how to model healthy relationships for for children and uh, that's you know that's sort of where I'm at at this point like I don't know there are some you know there's a there's a void of resources for the perpetrator for yeah. the the one who assaults for um, you know so that's another question for me is like well how do we help the people who hurt people and and then I just go back to looking at myself because I've hurt people too you know like I. Yeah. I have hurt people and people have hurt me. And so it's very vulnerable work that not a lot of people are, are up for, you know, like it's not, it's not comfortable, but I, I think there is an opportunity there to, for dialogue because in the more recent situation, so like in the past when it happened with, with the older man, um, older men, I wasn't able to face them with my words directly. It was too much. Like I couldn't, I was able to write stuff and submit documents in writing, but I was not yet strong enough to speak to them directly. But in the most recent incarnation of, you know, spiritual abuse of power, misdirection, manipulation, uh, I was able to speak to the young man. And now I was able to, to speak directly to him and tell him how his actions were thoughtless and yeah. possibly coercive, you know, yeah. and, and to, to be conscious of, of how his ulterior motive, right. How his admitted ulterior motive, um, affected the experience of everyone in the community. Yeah. Uh, and that, um, that, that that's something to uh, something to be done is to face yeah. the person 
that and to create your own boundary too yeah like where this i can't actively participate in this um i think that's one of the reasons why i was like you would be so great for this episode is because you have this sort of you have this clear start to finish of the process of and now i'm at the end of this where i'm like i can no longer be manipulated by this like and because of that, I, when I heard you say that, when you were like coming to the realization of like, because of my conditioning through sexual assault and conditioning through all of these other things, I do not possess the ability to recognize when someone is showing up in ill intentions. Yeah. And to say that to the person who was doing it to you, like, that is the whole shebang right there, right? Like, um, you've reached a point at which not a lot of us will ever get to in this life of saying, um, yeah, I realize that if I can see where my actions are in this situation, I can sort of eliminate some of these other things. And that's beautiful because like, that's like life-changing because most people do not ever come to the realization like, what if I examine myself in this simulation yeah and that's that is definitely where I've where I have been able to come to now and I'm so grateful for that takeaway of oh see how you have done this before you know and see how you have seen this done and how on some levels you too have unconsciously done this and then there you know there's there's compassion it's just like, oh, God, right. I relate. I relate. I know. You know. I'm on the other side of this, too. Yeah. And so there is that accountability piece that, as you we were talking about earlier, is it takes a while to get there. When you're very fresh in your trauma, you can't, you know, like just jump to like, well, this is for my soul's growth. You know, yeah. <laughs> I forgive him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a long process to yeah to. that i mean here like literally we're looking at several decades of yeah. work for me and even the, the, when actual i mean like what i'm talking about it happened recently did not involve any sort of physical assault it was just it was just poor intentions you know and, and, <laughs> and a little mental and, manipulation manipulation yeah you know but in the past uh like that was years of grooming really in a spiritual situation that only over time that like that in i endure like levels of emotional abuse throughout that time and also like denying that sexual abuse had happened in the past even though we all knew that it had you know it's yeah. like nope yeah. i'm here for for spirit like i'm gonna deny and compartmentalize that part of that man and i'm gonna sing his songs and and i'm gonna make people you know uh feel feel the spirit you know or whatever i'm gonna be a conduit i'm gonna be a conduit for the spirit and do my do my musical ministry and everything's fine you know <laughs> if i'm serving spirit in the ministry then if i don't look at this it's okay because i'm i'm still acting you know in in behalf of a spirit and the good of the community but god that's how we get hurt you know and yeah. used and 
broken down and then, you know, assaulted and when vulnerable. Um, Because they're praying. They're waiting to the weakest moment for you to allow whatever is going to happen to happen. Um, And it's unfortunate. Um, So we're going to wrap everything up here. Um, Sarah, is there anything that you would like to sort of um, leave on the table for someone who is in the process of um, understanding themselves and understanding um, real true spirituality. Real true spirituality. <laughs> uh, it's in the heart. Yeah. That has been my focus lately is literally heart centered meditation and oh i don't i don't even want to say this uh i didn't want to say hear it. it this is the I place know. where we just like i know we found out it even look okay. i definitely have to say some things where i'm like ah oh, shit i have to have my setup accountable for this shit after <laughs> well it's more the victims that will get mad at me over this than uh, anything okay. else is that forgiveness is a critical piece you know, and again, like right out of my assault, when my beloved mentor, therapist friend told me that, you know, I was like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear about that, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but that ultimately like that forgiveness is release, you know, and I'm not saying we don't hold these people accountable, mm-hmm. um, but that my peace is more valuable and nourishing to me than my anger, sadness, disappointment, sense of betrayal, guilt, shame, you know, um, in holding like ill feelings. So that- This is so much work. It is. It's a lot to carry. It's actually a lot easier to be like, God will take care of you. Goddess will take care of you. Go on and thank you for it. And just to to understand the complexity of the human that's in front of you is like, at the same time, and I've been saying this recently, it's like, it's a duality that we have to experience. Like, in the same breath, I cannot forget who you have shown me to be, but I also have to forgive to be able to move on from this experience without constantly being bombarded by it yeah it's like they say when someone tells you who they are believe them you know my angelou yeah yeah when someone shows you who they are you believe them you know yeah. and uh, you protect yourself and uh, that there is this piece of like letting it go and i tell you i have lived long enough to have seen every bad man from my childhood come to great suffering ends and, and not that I prayed that for them or anything. I mean, I, I love, well, I mean, you can only do it for so long, right? you know, I guess, you know, but, but the fact is, is that I have, I've seen karma in, in action and that the people that, that hurt like my mother and my, myself and my sisters when I was a child, they got hurt in the end you know and 
that the people that hurt are wounded people like yeah, that that that's hurt, where the compassion comes in hurt people hurt people right and so not to deny it away like we're all one and spiritual bypass it all away you know but yeah like we're all the product of of our wounding and that that there we don't know the suffering of others and uh that forgiveness and release and love at the heart level can can only can only bring greater peace you know like yeah. you're not mm-hmm. you're not going to hurt more by forgiving someone uh and it takes for me it takes years like i still don't I'm still working on my forgiveness process for for some of the people in my life and um, but that's the intention to get to where I trust my path that that which I have experienced is necessary for my growth and I forgive myself for the poor decisions that I made for the the times that I didn't protect myself that I the times that I knew something was wrong and I continued to support or defend and, um, and just pray that I, I can, I can do better that I can yeah. love and that you my, can see it. I can see it. And so that I can like love and respect myself enough to, to say no. Yeah. That's great. All right, folks, we have come to the end of another great episode of Unavoidable Shit. I thank all who listen. Um, I am greatly appreciative of the experience to share my world and even other people's worlds and um, the world bitter in me, right? (laughs) Sharing the worlds and allowing us to all have these multiple experiences that allows us to be wise, knowledgeable people in this reality. So I'm grateful for you, Sarah, for coming out and joining in and letting yourself release all of the things to show up and be a little human truth. Uh, I'm super grateful for that. So <laughs> like always, tune in next week. Yolanda should be back and we're gonna we're gonna get on to another juicy little conversation. So thank you for the opportunity. All. Oh, thank you.